Hello, friends, and welcome to the Movie Maker Podcast. I'm Eric Stoyer. Today on the show, Amanda Edoko. She's a screenwriter and actor. She's been writing for TV over the past few years, and she just had her first screenplay that she wrote made into the feature film Breaking News in Yuba County, which is an amazing cast. It's got uh, Allison, Janney, Mila Kunis, Regina Hall, Aquafina, Wanda Sykes, and, and many others, one of those big ensemble pieces. Amanda was pre-med at Cornell before she switched it up and decided to pursue uh, the creative arts. So we talk about that a little bit. Breaking news in Yuba County landed on the blacklist, which if you're not familiar, it's a highly regarded annual survey of the best unproduced screenplay. So a big deal, a great honor, especially if it's your first screenplay. Uh, and then she wrote another screenplay and her second one also ended up on the blacklist. So pretty, pretty amazing. You might have also heard about Amanda a few years ago when she started a social media campaign with the hashtag show us your room, which encouraged showrunners and writers rooms to post photos of their writing staff to show who is doing what when it comes to diverse and inclusive hiring. I very much enjoyed talking to her and I hope you like this conversation with Amanda Adoko. When, uh, when did you write this movie? I wrote this, oh, this is years ago. I wrote it um, in 2014. I believe I started 2014, 2015. Um, I wrote it when I was an assistant. It was the first feature that I had written. And so um, I remember taking a screenwriting class just to kind of have like that support and structure to figure out how to do it. And so it just kind of sat for a couple of years because I didn't know who to give it to after I was done writing it. Um, and then like came back around in 2017 um, when my writing group recommended that I like send it out. And from there, I think people were reading it and that by the end of that year, it gotten on the blacklist. And that's like, I think what re-energized it and helped it ultimately get made. That's pretty incredible. So your, your first, your first uh, feature, it would, it made the blacklist. Pretty amazing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Pretty encouraging um, idea for people taking screenwriting classes. I mean, it's like, it's pretty awesome. I mean, obviously you have to be an incredibly hard worker and also a talented person in order to get something that gets uh, made. But it is also encouraging just to hear that like, you know, you you um, you were you were doing one thing, you took some classes and, and then that sort of was part of the impetus for you, getting you going on this. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I think I'm always like, you know, I feel like I'm a, a perpetual student as a writer, like with every script that I'm starting, I'm, I'm always like, you know, go, I feel like I go back to school. I'm like, okay, how do I write again? Like, how do I write? How does a write a movie? Like I'm like reading, rereading, like, you know, the books or like listening to screenwriting podcasts. Um, and really, you know, I think with each script, I, I do feel myself getting stronger, but like, I feel like I never stop learning. And I, and I love having that kind of like space to, um, or like that support, like that accountability to feel like, okay, I'm not just writing in a vacuum or in a bubble. Like I'm, I'm getting like, you know, either help from people or just like reminding myself or like relearning what it, like just the basics of screenwriting, I think it's always helpful when I'm starting a new project. Will you talk a little bit more about that? Cause I, there's this, like, I think this idea that I, I, I do not have personally, cause I, I totally agree with you, everything you're saying there, but like, I think there's this notion that, you know, sometimes listening to podcasts or reading books about the thing, they're kind of actually a substitute for doing the thing, but like, you seem to get a lot out of that. I do. I mean, I think that like, um, especially if I find myself stuck, um, 
I like will go back and be like, okay, let me get back to the basics. Let me like, you know, look at like, you know, old handouts or outlines from like, from like classes and like make sure I'm actually like tapping into the structure. Let me look at save, save the cat again and like, see like how I can like break it down or listen to like other writers, like talk about their process because I do think I'm still figuring out exactly what my process is. Um, but I think it's helpful to hear how other writers are working because I always ultimately get like, oh, that's like a great way to look at things or, oh, that like inspired something. Now I know how to handle this scene or like, oh, now I know how to attack like act two because of like this, you know, thing that they said sparked like, you know, an inspiration for me. And so, um, and I also, because I love playing in so many different genres, like, you know, if I'm writing a love story, then I'm like, okay, what are like the, you know, the best love stories? Let me go like read about that or like, you know, if I want to use voiceovers, like, oh, what movies use like voiceovers best? There's, there's a list for everything. Like, I think on the internet, it's like always like, well, Google, like, you know, who used voiceover and like, and try to watch those movies and like, listen to like how they did it or read about it. And so I find it helpful with every project to just like make, you know, to just keep it, keep myself open to like learning new things. Speaking of, um, being a student, you said you're a perpetual student. Here, this is what I call, um, we call in the business a segue. Um, <laughs> uh, you were uh, a pre-med at Cornell, I read, and um, made made a switch at some point in your in your uh, scholarly career and into being a um, a writer or or a, a creative person. Could you talk about what that was like? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think that I was always, um, you know, a textbook smart K, like a math and science. I went to math and science high school and I was always on the path to be a doctor. Like I love kids. So I wanted to be an obstetrician and that from as long as I could remember was always like the plan. And so I started Cornell uh, bio pre-med, but you know, I was also always the kid who had like a creative spirit. Like I love storytelling. I love performing. I was like a musical theater high school kid. And, um, I guess I always kind of saw it though as a hobby and never really like made the connection out like, oh, this thing that I love to do and see as a hobby is something that I can actually do professionally. Um, and so I remember being in school and it was sophomore year, I was doing um, As You Like It. We were rehearsing for As You Like It and we we're on a break. And during this break, I'm like cramming for this orgo prelim that I have the next day. And I just remember taking a moment being like, what am I doing? Like the thing that I love to do is like right there in front of me and I'm over here, like, being distracted from it, like, you know, cramming for this orgo prelim. And so when my mom came up to see the show, uh, she took me out for dinner afterwards. And I was asking her, what did you think? And she was like, oh, this was, you were so great. And I was like, great, because this, this is what I can do. <laughs> I'm changing my major from bio to theater. Um, and, like, my mom is the best. Like, you know, she was super supportive and ultimately got on board. And so I, like, completely dove into it. And you know, I'm happy I did because like, you know, finding out that like, oh, this thing that like I love to do is like something that I can actually have a career. Like I just feel so like blessed to like be doing something every day that I love to do. It's impressive to have that much clarity. Like you just described an epiphany, you know, in college. <laughs> I mean, there's been times in my life where I feel like I have clarity like that, but certainly not when I was in my early twenties would I say, okay, this is the thing that I actually love. And I, what am I doing? Especially something where the stakes are as high yeah. as, um, as they were. So, but you, you said your mom was, was supportive of it. That, that must've been, that must've been very helpful. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my goodness. My family's been so amazing. Like they're so excited for me. Um, and so I've like been super, like, I, I love being on this journey, having them as like a support system. So you were doing theater. You were you were acting. I mean, so so you've been, you've been an actor as well. 
Yeah, yeah. So I started on the acting side. I was a theater major with a concentration in playwriting. And so I feel like I've always loved doing both. Um, and after I graduated, I think I, you know, was more focused on the on the stage side. So I went back to New York, um, which is where I was from, and just was hit, you know, hit the ground with like running with like the the New York, the New York artist life, you know, like the off, off, off Broadway, like putting up plays in black box theaters. I joined a theater company. I was like working like seven random jobs, <laughs> you know, to like kind mm-hmm. of survive that like kind of artist life, um, which I really loved. And I love collaborating that way. But then, you know, hit the moment where you're just like, oh, man, I would also love to uh, eventually one day make money doing this. And so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that that lifestyle sounds romantic, but it can I'm sure wear you down after a while. Yeah, and so I remember taking a a, a TV writing class. Another class. Oh, I, every single change I've made, I've taken a class. I was just like, I don't know how to do this. I need to take a class. Um, and so I took a TV writing class so I can like learn how to write for TV. And the first the first spec I wrote was a, a Parks and Rec spec, and and that placed at the Austin Film Festival which is this really, really great writers conference. And so I went out there and I like met all these like really great writers. I met my writing mentor out there and it was like such a great energy. And a lot of people were just like, oh, you should move to LA. And I was like, okay, sure. Like, you know, I've never lived outside of New York. And so I was ready for like to switch things up and actually like really push myself. And I think another reason why I wanted to move is because like, um, I think I gotten really comfortable in New York. Like I was a part of a theater company, um, like all my family and friends were out there. And I think there was something about moving to LA. Like if I moved to LA, I had to be like, okay, I moved here. Like I actually need to like do it. I actually need to like start telling people I'm a writer and like hustling and like focusing. Um, and so that move like gave me that energy and I just came out here. Um, luckily was able to transfer, like I was doing a overnight uh, a graveyard shift at a law firm as like a support staff. And I was able to transfer to the law firm out here and then just came here. <laughs> you just have like you're such a hustler. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, hustler mentality. So I like talked. I was just like, "Can you please transfer me to the LA law office, please?" Mm-hmm. Um, and so like interviewed. I was able to move, which you know, thank you know God being able to move out here with a job. Um, and then yeah, then like kind of like I came here with just like whichever door opens first, like you know whether on the acting side or the writing side. And so I like got into class. I was at an acting studio out here. Um, and then I was just writing a ton. Like I, I think for me, it was just like, if I, 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 ma- I moved here, I like told everyone in my family, I told my, all my friends, I'm moving to LA to be a writer. So I'm like, let me make sure I'm writing. Like, you know, let me make sure I'm actually doing the work. And so I like wrote like a bunch of specs. I was like applying to all of the programs, you know, how like uh, the writing fellowships, like from ABC, CBS, all of them every year and like getting rejected every year um, and then applying the next year. And then I was able to get an, an a, a assistant job on, on Bones, which was my first like industry job. I was the writer's PA for them. And so, you know, getting lunch and getting coffee. And when I came in, it was like around season 10. So well, old machine, like I learned a lot from them, but it was also like, you know, they were like, when you have your downtime, like be, be writing. And I was like, okay, Um, and so that's when I wrote breaking news because I was like, okay, I have this downtime, um, sometimes at work during the day. And so let me be working on a new script. And so I jumped into a screenwriting class and, and started working on breaking news. So you wrote breaking news, uh, as, as a 
for film so as as a screenplay not as a not as a play like even though you'd had a lot of experience writing like before the stage yeah yeah i wrote it as a you know actually though it started out um me wanting to adapt a play that i had written in college which was about like this family of of women dealing with like the death of the patriarch um and just kind of like asking that question of like well what do you do with the body of someone you love but you don't anymore and then it completely morphed into what it is now but it being my first one, I was like, oh, I want to like, you know, play in a familiar playground. Let me like look at these characters that I like created years ago. And then it completely like changed as I was working. Um, but yeah, that was, that was like my first like feature experience. I love, um, I love, I love movies with like a giant ensemble cast. And this is a really, really great one. Is that, is that something that you grew up liking, you know, in particular yeah. that those kind of movies? Yeah. Oh, I, I so love ensemble movies and like, I really love like, I'm a huge fan of like the Coen brothers and, and their specific brand of humor. Um, and so I think going into it was like, I very intentionally wanted to write a movie in that tone, like burn after readings, like one of my favorite movies. And so I remember rewatching that and like watching, you know, movies like Nightcrawler and, and things like that to kind of get that. Um, those are two amazing movies. I just love both of those movies so oh, much. Oh yeah, they're so great, but like, yeah. And so I was just like, I want to. And again, it was the, the the kind of student in me. So I was like, okay, let me like watch watch these movies. Let me read these scripts and see how they did it. And like, it was an exercise. I was just like, I want to write a movie like that. And so I specifically wanted to like have that ensemble and have that tone and kind of have that um, walking that line of like you know dark humor and like heart and chaos and just like all intersecting together is always like really fun for me and so I put all of that into the movie there's so many good people in the movie but um and not not but and when you see Wanda Sykes in a movie it's a, it's a delight uh, but she she's not in enough movies like she's so good every time you see her in anything but she's just not in enough stuff she really isn't oh my goodness she's so amazing I love working with her she's so funny literally she could say anything and I would be rolling like <laughs> she's just hilarious and she like yeah she like pops in this she's so funny the the theme of of celebrity is that something that is particularly interesting to you? There's this you know the, the notion that sort of drives the the the, the main character in the movie and, and so much of the of the story is that is that something that you particularly were interested in want to explore as a concept? Yeah, I think I was like interested in this feeling of of which I think is relate, relatable of like longing to be seen. Yeah. And, wanting to be recognized and wanting attention and like that kind of like, you know, void someone could have if they feel like the world has never seen them or like, and the people in their life don't appreciate them. And, and just like pushing that, that person to the extreme and seeing how far they would go to, to feel that void and to get that attention. And so I was definitely interested in that. And then also just like in the, the idea of, of a story and like the media and like how, you know, on both sides, it doesn't really matter about the person. It doesn't really matter about the humanity about it. It's just like, what's the best story? Like, you know, what is going to get the most eyes on it? And what are people going to be talking about? Um, and like, and so I think I thought that was like also very interested in wanting to like kind of like talk about that in the movie. What happens once you've sold this screenplay? Like what, how much input do you have in the movie once that, you know, like, like a lot of times I'll get, um, pitched people to talk to for the show and it's usually directors, but it's really interesting to talk to writers because they're the, you know, the genesis of the story and so much that a film, film ends up being. Um, but it's, it's unclear sometimes like what the, what the role of the writer is once the, uh, the screenplay is, is moved from them to, to the studio or to the director. 
Yeah. I mean, I think I, I had a, a, a good experience in terms of like, it was very um, writer focused companies that were producing it, like it being with the, the blacklist and nine stories producing it. And so they did like you uh, try to keep me up to date with everything that was going on and keep me involved. And I was on set, but it definitely is, you know, exciting to have, you know, something that like you came up in your head and then like see it go through all these other visionaries hands. Like once you add like the director and the actors and everything and just see how it morphs when you add like people to it and like collaborating that way. And so it was like cool to see how it transformed. Is there an example of something that transformed that you, that you think of that's like, okay, yeah, I wouldn't have done it that way, but I like it. Oh, it's hard to say because like also like there's so that this is something that has so many like twists in it. And Mm -hmm. so just like not wanting to like, talk about a specific moment um well without talking about moments is there is there a you know just like a like a i don't know anything like a like a just a a choice is it does it look the way you imagined it to look are there things like that that just like you know you had in your head one way but having someone else's hand in it um you know it probably there's probably things about it that you wouldn't have expected that were different that maybe you liked I, I'm sure that like, you know, the Amanda from like five years ago who like wrote this or like when I, when I wrote it like years ago would not have imagined, I imagined having this like insane cast in it and like having it like, you know, um, being able to like come to screen in this way. And so it's just been like an exciting journey. What is um what what is getting on the blacklist? I mean, I I've, I definitely know a little bit about that, but like, what does that actually mean? And what does it do for you as a writer or, or what does it do for your for your screenplay? Yeah. Um, so for me, it was um, the year. So my, so the script was getting sent out. This is 2017 and people were reading it and I was getting a lot of meetings off of it. So this was like my first time, like getting, you know, doing the water bottle tour, um, introducing myself to the industry as a screenwriter. And so like getting meetings off of it, but in the, all the meetings, like people were like, we love this script, but it wasn't something that they thought they could make. And so I spent the whole year being like, oh, I guess, you know, you wrote it just because you write a script doesn't mean it's going to get made. And just because people like it doesn't mean it's going to get made. Um, but by the end of the year, when it got on the blacklist, I think that gave it a, in a way like a stamp of validation. And it gave people, you know, I think people need to see that like other people are like interested in doing something maybe before they take a chance on something, because it definitely like once it got there, I think it like started to like push it like it you know once it got on the blacklist like it got made like pretty soon afterwards or it started to get like set up pretty soon afterwards and I think that you know with that once I got on the blacklist I very quickly wrote my second feature because I also knew like how like fickle the industry was and I was just like oh while while I'm hot let me like keep putting things out and so like my second feature ended up getting on the blacklist in 2018 Oh, wow. <laughs> those two scripts getting on the blacklist like back to back those years it like I think gave me like uh it, it kicked open the door for my feature career and it made people, people like be like oh okay like she let's put her on the list of screenwriters now who will like you know reach out to you for for assignments and so I would definitely say that the blacklist like jump-started like my feature career well, that is amazing. Major props to you. <laughs> two, your first two screenplay. That's amazing. That's amazing. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I remember a couple of years ago, the show us your room, um, hashtag social media campaign. And, and I believe that you were like the single person behind that. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. So it, it's, 
it started kind of from, I know, and I was working with a, a group of writers. Um, uh, and so it wasn't just me, but like the emphasis behind it was just like wanting to have more transparency and accountability in, in terms of diversity, um, in the industry, because we, you know, especially as diversity was starting to increase a little bit more in front of the camera. Um, I think the industry was like patting themselves on the back, but like we weren't really seeing that change behind the camera and writing in writing rooms. And so just wanting to have a way to like start making it more transparent and start making it so that one, you know, with the hashtag, you could celebrate the rooms that were diverse, but, but then also like start like, you know, holding like people accountable to like actually, you know, walking the walk and actually like, you know, being proactive in terms of, in terms of like hiring, hiring diverse writers, because I think that also when you like kind of say diversity um, is an industry problem or like this, you know, and it, I think it makes it a little bit faceless and doesn't have any personal accountability, but like actually showing your room, it gives, you know, puts that onus on like that specific room and shows like, no, it's not like, yeah, it says, it says we're, we're the ones not hiring. Yeah. It's not like <laughs> the industry that has to change this. It's like, Oh, this very, spe- I, I have control of this specific room. Like mm-hmm. I personally do something. Um, I can be proactive in, in terms of like diversity. And so I think with that campaign, like, you know, you really saw who, who was, who was hiring diverse staff. And I feel like, you know, not only because it's like a good thing to do, but also just leads to better storytelling. Um, because I think when everyone in in the room looks the same or comes from the same background, you're not going to get as nuanced stories as you can, like if you're like coming from a diverse like cloth of people. And so that was like kind of the impetus behind it. Because I know like, even for me, like, I, I was I was like the only black writer in like every room I was staffed on until like my third show, you know, and so just and that and like my experience is not unusual. And so just wanting to like add transparency and accountability to it in order to like actually actually like push forward with change. Have you seen that meaningfully change over the last few years? Have you, you know, your experience, is it is it getting better or is it is it just so slowly getting better? What, what's what's your what's your perception of that? I think that like. It, I mean, if you look at, even looking at the reports now, like the WGA puts out like diversity reports every year. If you look at the one that they put for last year, like the numbers are still like really, really bad. So like we still have like, you know, a lot of work to be done with that. And I think that like, it's not only, you know, in order to, I think in, in, in order to like see that change, you have to like give, you know, more black writers overall deals, like have more black executives and like black gatekeepers because like they're also the ones who are choosing what stories get told and choosing like the people who are telling them. And so we really need to start pushing more and like keep and keep it going. And like I and I hope that this is something that like can happen every year around staffing season. Just like have have it people like actively have that on their mind um as they're staffing. Because, yeah, we still have a long way to go. Okay. Well, Amanda Odoko, thank you so much for spending time and uh, hanging out and talking. I, I, uh, I love talking to you. It was so great talking to you. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for listening to Movie Maker. Check us out at moviemaker.com, where we post stories pretty much every day about movies and movie making and movie makers. 
Subscribe to Movie Maker's print magazine. Every time a new issue comes out, I find myself waiting by that mailbox. It takes a day or two, but once it gets there, I am just overjoyed. I bring that issue inside and I read it cover to cover. It's a great magazine. Let's just say that. Good resource if you're someone interested in the art and craft of making movies. It really is a wonderful magazine. Follow us on social media at Movie Maker Mag. Subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. And say a nice thing or two about us while you're there, would you? We will be back soon with another episode of Movie Maker, and I hope you'll be there to join us. Until then, take care of yourselves.